we're going to talk about the next uh, value, and that value is generosity. Generosity. Now, generosity matters. So we say generosity is our honor. Generosity is our honor, but we have to understand there's three components I'm going to talk about today. Generosity assumes, generosity trusts, and generosity glorifies. It assumes, it trusts, it glorifies. This is the passage I'm going to read today. It's out of a book called Proverbs. If you want some great sound wisdom in your life that reads like a guidebook, like a how-to, I, I, I have to tell you this. Most, the, one of the biggest sections right now in, 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 in the book genre is like self-help, how to, like living a better life. Can I tell you that almost all of those principles, their origin are biblical, and you find a lot of those, these quick like one-liners from the book of Proverbs. A guy named Solomon wrote it. He is thought of to be probably one of the, well, if you took what he had and you multiplied it times inflation, which right now is like times 10 billion. I'm joking. Okay. Solomon was extremely wealthy, but he wrote this book to give us wisdom so that we can live the most fulfilling, satisfying we could live our best life that God originally designed for us if we're willing to accept it as biblical truth and worship God with all of us. Okay, you see how they're tying together? Okay, we need the biblical truth. So Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, let me read this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. How many of you in here are wealthy? One person. Okay, I'm going to straighten that out really quick. Two people? Okay, I'm going to straighten that out really quick. Three, okay. I'm going to straighten, I'm going to straighten that out because we're all wealthy. We just don't know it. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Okay, not, not like uh, I've got some old clothes with holes in them. I want to donate them. So I call the church and ask them if they have some place that I can donate my trash. Did that hit? Did that hit kind of? I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying like that's, tip, that, that's typical, right? It's the best. So imagine this. Imagine like I get my Amazon package and I'm like, ooh. Ooh, this is like, this is, this is fire. This, this, this new black shirt, because I have about 55,000 black shirts and gray shirts. This new black shirt, though, this is my, this is my fall black, because I'm, I'm moving out of my summer black. <laughs> this is the best shirt. And then I take it, and I go, God, you can have my best. Amen? Amen. Oh, okay. I see how we're going to, okay. It says, then... He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good news. So Solomon's guidance here is to give back to God. This is what he's saying. I'm going to summarize this. Give back to God some of what he has given to you as a sign of sacrifice and gratitude for everything that he's given you. 
That's what Solomon is saying right here. Let's break this down. Generosity assumes. Now, to talk about generosity, I have to talk about something first. Generosity makes an assumption. Assumptions are dangerous, so this can be dangerous, but I, I want to I make sure that we're not making an assumption here, and I, and I want to be clear about something. It says that honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. That word best means first. It means first. And what it's, what it's telling us is, if you, if you broke that word down, it's the principle of first fruits. So the principle of generosity assumes, I'm, I'm going to make a statement. Okay, you ready? Hold on. Okay, are you sure? Turn to somebody next to you and say, buckle up. Like, grab your seatbelt. Like, and, and you might need a five-point harness today. You better get your shoulders in. Like, click, click, double click. Say, buckle up, buttercup today. You ready? This principle of honoring God with our generosity assumes the principle of the tithe from the first fruits is happening as well. They're separate, but they're related. Let me walk through this really quickly. What is the principle of first fruits? Best meaning first of everything. So we would see it in the Old Testament. We'd see this, we would see first fruits. We would, we would see that language, first fruits. The word pro, like everything you produce that word literally means revenue. Revenue. It, it's crops is determined by season. I love that. Did you know you're going to have seasons in your life where the revenue that comes into your checking account is going to be different than others? But it doesn't change the principle of first fruits. When I have less crops that I'm harvesting, I'm speaking in old culture terms, but we, can, can you guys make the transition figuratively here? When you have crops that you're harvesting this year that are bountiful, like you're like, I don't even know what to do with them. We're to give our first fruits, our best from that. When you have a hard year, when I have that year that I was like, man, I don't know what happened. I had like 14 kids. I feel like it's just, everything's expensive. Guess what? The principle doesn't change, even when my seasons do. That's what this means. It's to bring the first as the best you can offer as a tithe from everything God gives you as revenue. God always asks for the first. So glorifying God, I, I said one, our, our, our number one chief part of our existence is to glorify God. One of the chief ways we can glorify God is with our finances and assuming the obedience to the tithe. Now, what is the tithe? It is the principle of first fruits. Um, I, I'm gonna, I want to I, I wanna debunk a few things, and I'm going to be really quick about this, okay? The, I could do an entire series on this. There's so much good stuff on it. But I'm going to try to be very quick, okay? The principle of first fruits is found in the tithe. Tithe means 10%. Okay? So the tithe principle is found from the garden to Abraham, from the law of Moses to the life of Jesus, and from the New Testament church to the current church. Uh, one of the things uh, that people will say is, oh, I tithe to my church. I, I, I serve. I give time. That is not the tithe. I just want to be really clear about this. The tithe is not a time, treasure, talent thing. The tithe literally is revenue. It's money. Why? I ha you, you have to know this, family. 
for this to happen, it takes resource. God, from the beginning of time, Cain and Abel, what was the problem between these two brothers? One of them gave his best and first, the other one didn't. And God didn't applaud the one who didn't give his best. So the other brother got jealous and killed him. I'm telling you that there is a war from the beginning of time against the principle of first fruits. God in the garden said what? You can have of any fruit, but this fruit is mine. What is he saying? That first is mine. If you want to see the principle of the tithe, it is from beginning to end. And then we run into Abraham. People say, where is the tithe, the principle of the tithe found in the New Testament? Hebrews 7 is one of the best places, I'm going to read this, the best place we see the tithe supported in the New Testament. I also want to make this statement. Out of all the teaching that Jesus did, he talked a lot about money. Jesus had every opportunity, being a good Jew and being Jesus Christ, our Savior, had every opportunity to say to anyone he talks to about finances, stop tithing. You cannot find that anywhere in Scripture. Jesus did not tell anyone to stop tithing. In fact, what we see is we see an attachment to Jesus with the tithe. Let me break this down. Hebrews 7 verse 1 says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham, returning from the defeat of the kings, and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, Paul wrote this, by the way, to the Hebrews. <laughs> and then he goes on to explain something. He goes, first, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Melchizedek, verse 3, was without father or mother. He was without genealogy. He was without beginning of days or end of life. Resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. This is going to blow your mind. The greatest theologians, studiers of Scripture and of God and who he is, believe that Melchizedek, this person that Abraham gave a tithe to, was Jesus himself. Why, why do I say that? I'm going to stick to biblical truth. It's not an opinion. Listen to this. He was without father or mother, Jesus, without genealogy, Jesus, without beginning of days or end of life, Jesus stepped from what? The eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. It's Jesus. Resembling the son of God. Why? Because he was Jesus. And he remains a priest forever. And what is Jesus today? Priest forever. Verse 4, just think how great he was. Jesus, Melchizedek, this Melchizedekian. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law, okay, I'm going to stop for a second. The tithe is attached to who? Jesus. Now Paul says, now I'm going to introduce the law. Why is that important? Because sometimes people say the tithe is attached to the law and Jesus came to abolish the law. And I say, no, 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 no. The tithe predates the law. 
and it is shown from the book of Genesis all the way through the end. And in fact, the tithe is not attached to the law. It's attached to who? Jesus. With that in mind, Paul says, now the law, now the law came around. (laughs) Okay. The tithe already existed. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who became priests to collect a tithe, a tenth from the people. That is from their fellow Israelites, even though they are also descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent. What man? Jesus (laughs) did not trace his descent from Levi. Who did Jesus trace his descent from? David. He did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It's not attached to the Levitical law, the law of Moses. It's attached to who? And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. Talking about the law. In the one case, the tenth is collected by mere mortals. But in the other case, in the other case of giving to Jesus, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. The first fruits principle of the tithe is tied to who? Jesus. So where do we bring the tithe? To Jesus. Christ is the head of the what? Family, Christ is the head of the what? Who is the head of Movement Church here? Jesus. <laughs> like this is killing drill. Jesus Christ is the head of this space called his church. The tithe is connected to Christ as the head of the church. Where do you bring your tithe? To the church. (laughs) Okay. I'm dispelling some things. I want to make this clear. You, You don't bring your tithe to your friend who's a missionary. Okay, I have conversations with people and they're like, oh, I tithe. My friend's in YWAM. My friend's a missionary. My friend's is. No, wrong. That's not biblical truth. I just want to tell you this. This is not my opinion. This is not biblical truth. The first tenth, the ten, comes where? Comes to the church. Why? Because we're tithing to Jesus. <laughs> and the principle, the principle's alive because Jesus is what? And he's alive. So the tithe doesn't die until Jesus dies. Is Jesus ever going to die? Answer's no. So do we tithe today? Yes. And who do we tithe to? And do we tithe first to the church or do we tithe last to the church? First. Why? Because it's the principle of first fruits. Do we tithe our worst? Do we go like, oh, here's 20 bucks? Or do we go, here's our, here's our first 10%. $2,000 hits my bank account, $200 to the church. I'm really just like oversimplifying this. Okay. Is this making sense? Okay. But the principle of tithing and generosity both require trust. 
They're related because they both require trust. See, we live in a time and space. I'm going to say this. New Testament reality. Jesus Christ has come. He's died on the cross. He's given us an opportunity. He's done everything for us. Did you know what the new tithe is? 100%. The New Testament is based on worship is you can have what? All of it. Why? Because what did Jesus give? All. So the truth is, we live in 100% reality. We're still adhering to the tithe. And now God's like, what are you going to do with the money that I've given you? We're going to be generous. But it requires trust. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now I'm going to break this down. I ask this question. How many of you are wealthy? Raise your hand if you're wealthy. Don't change your mind now. Okay. See, now you're like, well, based on that. <laughs> okay. Honor the Lord with your wealth. This word wealth, this is what it means. Everything of substance, but it also means as enough. This is what it's saying. This is what Solomon is saying. How much more do you have to get to have enough? He's saying wealth is based on a principle of enough not on a principle of excess. Because when I ask the question, how many of you are wealthy, hardly anyone raised their hand. Do you know why? Because all of you said, because I don't have excess. I don't have a bunch of money laying around. I don't have a $500 million yacht. I don't have blah, 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 blah. Because you know why? Because we've been tricked into having an excess mindset when God wants to have an enough mindset. Honor the Lord with your Enough. Man, if you got $10, 10000 or $10 million, what God has given you as you've been faithful is enough. Amen. So when I say, God, I don't have enough, maybe I need to get some Dave Ramsey, some FPU, learn to hand, handle my finance. I'm just saying. How many, how, how many of you this is preaching right now? All right. I just want you to know, this hits me. I'm human. This hits me as well. I got a boatload of kids, man, and I'm like, God, I don't have enough. Okay. It's a million dollars to raise a kid. So from my enough God has given me, I give back to him my first fruits of 10%. But I also live generously as I offer the rest of what God has given me to the God of abundance. Trust. Some seasons, as I mentioned, some seasons, your enough and my enough is more or less. But the principle doesn't change to be generous. But it requires trust. Trust is deep belief. It's faith. Generosity is not calling us to being frivolous. It's calling us to be faithful. So this isn't saying like, hey, just run out and give 100% of all your money away and don't take care of responsibilities, right? Frivolous. I know people that live that way. God does some incredible stuff. But I feel like they're being faithful to what the Lord told them to do. 
But we have to understand this is not, I, I am not preaching a principle that says just give it, just, just, just take family onto the street, just forget about it, don't pay your mortgage, just give it. That's not what I'm saying. Not frivolous, it's faithful. Yeah. And in the midst of seasons, it gets kind of uncertain sometimes. It, it, would you agree that it's uncertain right now? Yeah. I feel like it is. I, I listen to way too much financial news. I'm, I'm just be honest with you. I'm like, dude, I need to not listen to Yahoo Finance. How many of you are into finance? Uh, okay, five people. Okay. <laughs> then you don't feel me. I'm, I'm just being, I want to be real with you. Uncertainty. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a reason why I feel that strain. I feel that tension. This is why I feel that struggle. It's found in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, teach those who are rich. That word is abundantly supplied. Um, we're, we're, we're abundantly supplied. Why? Because of Jesus. <laughs> teach those who are abundantly supplied in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money. Which is so unreliable, it says. Uncertain. Here's why my heart rate goes up when I watch the financial news too much. Because I'm putting my trust in my 401k and I'm not keeping my faith in Jesus. I'm just being real with you. I start praying for like the magic lotto numbers to drop into my hands. Right? Can we just be real about this? And we put so much trust in that, in, that, in that money. And Paul's telling Timothy, hey, just remember this, man. Don't take it from an, Paul's saying, take it from an old guy who's learned the lesson. Don't put your trust in money. <laughs> money is called currency. Do you know why it's called currency? What does a current do in the ocean? It moves. Did you know money is called currency because it moves and sometimes it's moving towards you and sometimes it's moving away from you? Sometimes you're in the river where it's moving and sometimes you feel like you're swimming against it. Money is called currency because it's fluid. I don't want to trust that. It changes. But my God who is abundant doesn't change. Listen to what he says next. He says, their trust should be in who? God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You know what that word richly? Abundantly. Do you know why God can give abundantly? Because he's a God of abundance. It's like in his nature. He, like, he can't get around it. God's like, I'm going to touch this right now. Boom, abundance. He says, tell them to use their money to do what? Good. Man, we're going to be like, God, direct the current that way. Yeah. <laughs> right? God, I'm going to be a conduit and I'm going to aim everything you've given me. at. at I'm going to aim it that way. I'm going to aim it at the mission that you've given us. I'm going to resource your kingdom. I'm going to give my first 10% to the church and then I'm going to be generous above and beyond. You know, when we, when we come in, we have such a generous, I, I honestly believe this. I'm not patronizing our church. We have a generous church. 
Like when we do San, we're getting ready to do San, San Marcos Elementary, where we get them jackets. You're going you're gonna to hear about this coming up. We always go above and beyond. That's your generous heart. This is powerful. There's a belief in the abundance of God. And it says, tell them to use the money to do good. We want to do good. We want to honor God with generosity in our church. And we want to do good because we trust him. God is so uncertain, but I trust you. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. What he's saying is there should be an outward expression of the abundance that God has given you. Good works. There should be an outward expression. So what he's saying is, is like, we're not like, God, thank you. Oh, man, we acknowledge you. We trust you. Holla. Yes. Woohoo. We're like shoebox under the mattress money. We're like hoarding everything. Like, I'm not giving anything, right? That's not, he's saying, no, there should be an outward expression. There should be an overflow. Say amen if you're understanding it with me this morning. Uncertainty, this is the problem. Uncertainty carries a spirit of lack. A spirit of lack. God, I don't believe that you're enough. And what did we establish? God is our enough. God, I don't believe that you are enough, but you're enough. But when we don't believe that, we buy in and agree with the spirit of lack. We hold just in case it runs out. In the face of uncertainty, God responded with generosity. This is God. This is God in the face of uncertainty. It says in Romans 5.8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Totally uncertain. I'm going to give everything. I'm going to be generous with my son, generous with my love, generous with my restoration, generous with my reconciliation. Totally uncertain whether or not you or myself are going to make the decision to join Jesus in the space that he holds with an, for an intimate relationship with him. It's like I'm going to love the other person with everything I have and I don't even know if they're interested. He was generous. God gave everything through his son Jesus for us to have that relationship. Generosity is what breaks the spirit of lack that we feel. But here's the other thing. It breaks the spirit of lack, but it blesses us. Listen to Acts 20, verse 35. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Why is it a... Why do people, when they give and they're generous, why are they so joyful? I, have ne- I just have to be honest with you. I've never met a generous person who is grumpy. Have you? I mean, I know people that are generous that don't have loads and loads and loads of cash sitting around like in, you know, on pallets in a warehouse. And they're just generous. Like you, you need something, they're like, here, take their shirt. I mean, literally take and give to you something like, you need a car here, you can have my car. Like you just, you take whatever you need. And they're so joyful. Why? Because they don't carry, they're not under the oppression of this spirit of lack. So when we're generous, we're breaking the back of lack by declaring this statement. God of abundance, you've done everything 
for me and for us, and you've given me everything I have. And this act of generosity is coming into agreement to defeat any spirit of lack in my life. You know, the only way to prove lack wrong is to prove generosity is right by being generous. (laughs) The only way to prove that we're not going to run out is to press in and give and test that we're not going to run. Like there's no other way to test that. So we're going to break the back of this spirit of lack. And we're going to be a generous church. We're going to go above and beyond. We're going to do everything we can and then we're going to do more. (laughs) No, I'd rather stay grumpy. Generosity inherently tells God and the world that you trust him with everything in your life. Lastly, if it's telling God, I trust you, it's also telling the world generosity glorifies. Proverbs 3, 9, the very first word is honor. That word honor means to glorify. Uh, to make honorable by, uh, by magnifying. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus is reminding us that you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. What good deeds? Good deeds of generosity. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. The magnifying power of generosity is the revelation of a generous God to those around you. Our generous nature reflects the generous nature of God. says in John 10, 10, says the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich, abundant, and satisfying life. How much more do we need, family? When is it enough for us to become a beacon of light shining in a culture? This is, this is countercultural talk right now. Can you imagine for a second what, what happened in our church that exploded with radical generosity? Can you imagine for a second all of the advancement in the kingdom that could be made? Could you imagine for a second 
what the people around looking in would say, this, this, there's something different. There's something off. Why, why, are you just get, why are you giving and not asking for anything in return? Because God is a generous God and we're reflecting his nature. And God gave and didn't, he didn't ask for anything in return. He gave his son with the uncertainty and I want to love you and, and we want to love our communities and we want, to, we want to love our cities and we want to love our schools and we want to love our neighborhoods. We want to love our family members and we want to do it generously. Can you imagine for a second family what it would look like to a world that's dying and is not satisfied? Can we agree that the world is not satisfied? We have an enough issue that we never have enough. Well, if I can just make a few more dollars, if I can just get a little bit more educated, if I could just have that relationship, if I could just have one more kid, if I could just live in that perfect state with that perfect political system, if I could just be on that side of the fence where the grass is green and God is like, it's always green where you water it. Too often, family, I have to say this. Too often what happens, God says, honor God with your wealth, with the best of everything you produce. Too often, this is what we do. Our culture, this is what it teaches us. Eat your best. Consume your best for yourself. God wants to create an orchard for you and for his kingdom but in order to create an orchard, we have to stop eating the seeds that come from the apple and we need to plant those seeds and we need to let those grow. We need to take those seeds and plant more apple trees and then soon enough we have an orchard. But what happens is we eat our seed. We eat our best. And God says, today, I don't want you to live in a spirit of lack where you're eating your best, where you're eating the seed. I've given you something and you return back to me as a seed. It's a seed because I want to be a generous God to a generation that will live and will, and will well, it's the advancement in the kingdom of God for generations to come. This is not about today. It's about the orchard feeding tomorrow's tomorrow. <laughs> generosity is our honor is the guide that's aiming our resources <laughs> at making Jesus the center people our aim and passion our approach there are countries that our little church here in San Marcos has people doing ministry in and we're supporting their countries that we have ministry teams that go to. There are other states that are feeling the impact of what God is doing here. And our job is to be generous, assuming that we're tithing first and then we're just, we go all in and we're, God, we're gonna be generous. What is it that you wanna do? Start asking the question, God, what do you want to do with what you've given me? $5, $500, what does, what does God want to do with the resource? And imagine what happens in the hands of a multiplying God. What would happen if we collectively as a family just said, God, we're gonna allow, we trust you that you're just a great multiplier. We don't, we don't understand it, but we're gonna be generous. Would you stand with me this morning? We aim to be radically generous as a church who's tithing, trusting, and glorifying God.
next week. I'm super excited because next week we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about this principle that takes us out of the four walls and attaches us to something bigger because we're a local family, but we are part of a much larger gene pool. It is going to be an amazing message. You're not going to want to miss it. Today, let's do this. If you could just close your eyes with me. Is it enough? I'm not talking about the money in your bank account. I'm talking about the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you in your life. Is it enough? Because the truth is, if you stripped all of this away, that statement right there, I want to stand before you and I want to say to you, no matter what, that's enough. Because Jesus Christ gave me satisfaction back in my life, gave me fulfillment back in my life, gave me peace back to my life, gave me my life back. Jesus is enough. He blessed us just like he blessed Abraham. And my response is blessed to be a blessing. God, I just want, God, I want to bless your name here. So collectively together as a family, we just say, God, we want to bless your name. We want to bless you. We want to glorify you. We want to magnify you. We want your name to be lifted higher than every other name. We want to be generous, not so that people see us and know us. We, 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 want, to, we want to leave it anonymously if we have to, but we want to be generous. We want to create an abundance, an overflow in our neighborhoods, in our cities, our communities. We want to see things change radically when it comes to the generosity that you've, you've loved us with and that we get to reflect. And it's our honor. We glorify you with this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, every single week I give this invitation. It's been so awesome as we've seen people respond more and more at the end of our services. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I have to tell you the first thing that you need to do to glorify God is to make Jesus the center of your life. He's given you an invitation because he died on the cross and he said, you know what? All that stuff you went through, all the stuff that you're in and all the stuff you're going to walk through, it's already been taken care of. See, because I'm a good God who's generous, I already went ahead and I already paid that bill. So all I need you to do is you make the decision today if you want to join me in the space that I'm holding. Jesus says today, you have an opportunity. You're invited to join me. And if you have not joined Jesus in this invitation and you've never made that commitment, that today what I would ask of you is that before you walk out of here, that you would make a public declaration of joining Jesus and this is, how I, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to simply, before you leave here, I want you to come forward and tell one of our ministry team members in the front who has been praying the entire service before church even started, praying all week, and they are ready for this moment to pray with you, and you just simply to say to them, I'm making a decision today to follow Jesus. Because God didn't save you to put you in a silo. He saved you into a family, and this is really, really important to us. We know that we have a longing to be loved and to belong to something, and this is how you do it. We have to make ourselves known. So we say today, Jesus, I'm going to make a decision for you. Don't leave here 
without letting somebody know that on our ministry team up here at the front. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, if you're struggling, and I'm going to be real specific, if you're struggling financially, if you're feeling the strain and the stress, or the strain and the stress, I think, comes from that spirit of lack that creates this anxiety of uncertainty that says, that, like, the foot's going to drop, the boot's going to drop, like, the world's coming, you, you know that feel, that irrational feeling like the world's coming to an end? <laughs> if you're feeling that, we want to pray with you this morning because that is not God's spirit. That is the spirit of lack. That is the enemy stealing, killing, and destroying your peace. Destroying the satisfaction that God has created for you to live in. And I just speak against that right now in the name of Jesus. And I say, enemy, you don't have any place in the hearts of any person in this room. You don't have any place in the hearts of any person listening to this message, no matter what state or country they're in. You have no place. It doesn't matter what you call your dollar. De devil, you don't have power over kingdom dollars. You don't have power over kingdom cash. And I don't place my, tr my trust in cash, but I place my trust in Christ. And so the problem, devil, is that you got up today on the wrong side of the bed and you just have to stay grumpy for a little while longer because you don't get to create anxiety and depression in me. You don't get to turn my heart over and create uncertainty in me that makes me want to crawl in a hole and quit because there's no quit in God and there's no quit in Jesus and there's no quit in the spirit that you've given me. So I ain't gonna quit. Devil, you're just gonna have to quit today. Be silent. If you need prayer, don't leave here. For the rest of us, Lord, give us generous hearts. Continue to press on our hearts to be generous. Lord, press on our hearts to bring our tithe to our home church. To, to really step in and say, God, you know what? Jesus, people, passion, yeah, that, sound, that sounds like biblical truth. Yep. We're going to advance God's kingdom together. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen.